Yeah, so I am, I mean, I guess we started. I don't even give a shit anymore. Like, I didn't even introduce the, <laughs> I'm like, I didn't even introduce, like, welcome to Relatively Saint. Like, it doesn't matter. It no, just, nothing matters. No, it's it does Exactly. I Please. But anyway, I'm talking to you, and as we're talking, my kids are screaming. So oh, I don't know if you can hear them, but I'm literally talking to you and listening to them scream. Great. I can hear a little bit, just faintly. I can hear Sarah and your children faintly in the background. <laughs> Sarah's with my children? <laughs> Possibly. Maybe they're guests <laughs> on her pod. That is so uh, funny that you're both doing it from the same apartment. I mean, that would that's not easy. It's not easy. You no, know, it, it's amazing. We've had that moment where you're like, I'm podcasting at four o'clock. <laughs> it's just, uh, it's all off the rails. And I think we're going to be here for a long time too. I do too. What do you think about that? I, what, what are you thinking? Like, seriously, if you had to come up with a time, cause I'll tell you after you tell me. Okay. Um, I, th I don't know. I don't know because everything changes. I've seen articles now that say like big events, like comedy and, mm -hmm. and music festivals and political rallies, whatever. It's going to be like September of next year, they're saying. What? Like yeah. I like, read a couple articles because I just don't understand how we had zero cases in February and we have 600,000 now. So how would that go down? Oh, uh, my God. I have, I have obviously no faith in the like administration. Like in the past, I'd always be like, ah, they're working on it. People are working on it. Mm -hmm. But we got, you know. I don't even, I'm out of adjectives for who's I, running the show here. I know. I mean, I just got, I applied for a loan through Chase. I don't even know what the fuck it is. I'm not even kidding. I have no the idea. PPP? It's a payroll thing. Is that? Yes. I, I, I got, <laughs> Chase sends me an email today and I was denied, like they didn't have any more money. I wasn't denied. They have no more money. Right. So they have yeah, to go I back know. to Congress. This is the email I get. And and try to get another loan to get like something together for people. It's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. Like I felt that because my accountant was like, you got to sign up for this. And I'm like, I have some savings and my podcast makes some money. And I'm watching the news being like, yeah, they're out of money and no one has any money. And I'm like, I feel like I should I shouldn't sign up for this thing. Because I'm like, I got some, like some of these restaurants and stuff. I'm I like, know. I feel like it's, it's insane. So I don't know. I'm hoping for the best or there'll be a vaccine or some treatment and stuff. And I always put faith in that. Like there's so much, it's not even moral. I'm like, there's so much money in uh, fixing this that somebody will come up with something at some point. Yeah. And hopefully they won't try to make a ton of money off of it. Like whoever... But I agree with you. I think that's the only way. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to come to a comedy club unless there's a vaccine. I, I, maybe some yeah. people, but. Yeah, I just don't like I was saying that because some comics, you know, aren't the brightest and they're naive. And I say and they're like, what? No, June. And I'm like, June, the, the, the idea of it. I know the idea of it being like before when we were like i'm in vegas next week milwaukee the week after that and i got a one-nighter in st louis that's gonna be a couple of years i think yeah so because... we have to come up with ideas which i think we will now you and i are fortunate in the way that well first of all 
we're we're not in the position of a lot of comics who are loaded, beyond loaded. But right. we have followings, so at least we have that, and we could try to grow them online and create more stuff. Whereas there's some people who have none of that, nothing. Yeah, there's a lot of comics that I wasn't sure how they were making a living before this. Right, me too. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what's what's up with that guy. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, like, and I, I'm saving some money by not renting cars and paying for flights and going out to eat and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it's nerve wracking. Like I said, like my podcast makes a little bit of money. It covers my rent, and mm -hmm. my landlord knocked a couple hundred bucks off my rent because he's like, oh, oh that's nice. That's very yeah. sweet. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I keep trying to be grateful that I'm like, I'm in a better position than most people and try not to complain too much because I'm like, well, I'm better off than most people that I know. Yeah, I know. I totally understand. And I know you deal with a lot of, is it more like anxiety than depression, you feel like? Yeah, it's, it's I, my, I have depression that leads, comes from anxiety. It's, yeah. it's mostly anxiety for me and my anxiety like grips me so much that I'm like, Oh, it's depressing that I can't get over this anxiety. Yeah. I, I understand last, that. Like, yeah. It's like only the last year or so that I'm like, Oh, I have depression also. Yeah. Um, that's so weird. Me, me too. Oh, oh, I have the exact same thing. Like I was never depressed in the past year. I feel like I'm experiencing more depression from the anxiety yeah totally well, you start to have this thing of like i'm never gonna get over this my thing with anxiety is and i've only learned this recently is that it's not about like fighting anxiety or beating anxiety it's accepting which feels so uh counterintuitive now how what do you do to accept it i'm just curious because i i deal with i mean a lot of people that listen to this are a mess so what do you do to deal with it like what are your kind of rituals well, now I started, I just heard this thing. Mike Kaplan told me, he was read some book about that we don't just have formative years as people, as humans, we have formative minutes throughout the day. And he's like, the first thing you do in a day can really like set the tone for your whole day. Hmm. So for the last like week or so, I wake up, I don't look at my phone at all in the morning and I go straight to meditation. That's and so good. I do the... I do the Calm app. I got that Calm app, mm -hmm. which I love. I use that. And then I do just like, when that's over, I just do my own like 10 minute meditation of just sitting and mindful meditation. But I'm like constantly reading some kind of meditation book, Buddhist book, Pema Chodron or Thich Nhat Hanh, Jack. I have to be consuming that stuff all the time. Did you have a time in your life when you resisted? Like I'm, I'm there right now, which is really crazy. I'm just telling you because... Not only the pandemic, but also dealing with a family member that's sick and all. But sometimes I like resist getting better and it's very self-destructive. Like there's things oh, that totally. I know I can do to feel better and I'm purposely not doing them. Yeah. Oh, completely. I feel that way. Even like outside, like the like I'm a actively sober guy. Like I don't, I'll just skip doing that i'll skip meditation going to the gym working out and then i'll eat shit yeah i, I did the exact opposite and I, I don't know what that um instinct is to avoid all these things that make me feel better same with writing spending time with family reaching out calling people i don't know what know. it is 
but I have it. Like, I don't want to do anything that's beneficial to me. It's, it's work. You feel like that now? I've gotten better with it now. I'm more active now. Like, but sometimes I do. I still go days without doing stuff that I'm like, oh, that thing again. Yeah. So I try to like really be like commit to it. But then the thing, there's the thing, if you forget to do it or if you miss a day, then you beat yourself up. And I don't want to do that. It, it's, I know. it's a constant struggle. Constant. And I, it's so, I'm so screwed up that I actually forget to do it. Like I used to, which I probably will do again. I used to put up post-it notes, like meditate, walk. Like I literally don't even remember, I don't even remember it because it's good for me. I don't remember the things that are good for me. Right. Yeah. I, ha oh, I always have notes everywhere, all over. Like there's notes that say like your phone's bad for you. Don't look at your phone. <laughs> really? I love that. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, I'll, I'll do that thing where I'm like, and now at least I'm aware, but I'll be looking at scrolling my phone being like, you're doing the thing. I'm not even, I'm not even reading anything. I just want to lighten my eyes. I know. Well, it's, it's, it's very addictive. I mean, I'm an addict too. And it's very addictive to see that. And be like, what's happening? What's going now? There's no work. So it's not as exciting as it used to be. You know, I used to right. open my email and be like, I have a casino for you in Milwaukee for this amount of, and I was like, Oh my God, I got booked in a casino, you know, but <laughs> now it's like, do you want to do my zoom live comedy event Saturday night at eight for $20? I'm, it's so depressing. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting thing too, uh, financially, how much my mindset has changed where now someone's like, yeah, do you want to do a Zoom thing? I can give you 40 bucks. And I'm like, 40, yes. Oh my God, 40 bucks. Yeah. I mean, I'm doing them too. I'm dressing up like an idiot. Like I'm dressing up <laughs> as a character and like these gay men are hiring me to go, like I'm doing a bingo event tomorrow night. This is not a joke for like no money, but it's, I'd rather do that than nothing. So I'm putting on a wig and I'm showing up as this character to a bingo event with gay men. That's hilarious. That sounds amazing. It, it, it does. It, it, it's going to be fun, but it is, I mean, listen, on a Saturday night, you know, you and I, not like we made a ton of money, but we did well. And it's just so interesting. Now, I think that we're all going to end up being okay, uh, but it's going to take a while it is. Yeah, well, it's it's weird. Like so, in some ways, I feel like okay, I've been training for this with my sobriety mm -hmm. and like Buddhism and stuff. Is like okay, one day at a time, let go and let God. This is like what we've been working on. Like it feels like I've I've trained for this, so yes. I'm trying to do that thing of like just one day at a time, control what I can control. And I most of the time when I'm like really anxious or upset, I'm like I'm trying to control something. Yes, like whether how how quickly we can come back or whatever that is. And it's just like, I can't, it's not, it's out of our hands. Yeah. But this is completely out of our hand. I mean, there's no talk about not having any control and letting go. I mean, we have to, we have not, this is, this reminds me not that I'm religious, but I'm spiritual and I do believe in God. And it reminds me of how big the universe is and how small I am because this thing is just taking over and I have no say. I have to just allow it to happen and take care of myself and my family. Yeah, it's hard. And so there's moments where I can kind of key into that and connect to it. And I'm like, this is great. Like all, all the stuff 
it's like they say about meditation. It's like, it's simple, but not easy. Like mm -hmm. all the stuff I understand what I need to do and how I need to approach it. But, and even when I explain it, I feel like people hear me and they're like, this guy really has this stuff. But 23 hours a day, I'm like, oh God. I know. And it just, it takes a minute to be like, oh wait. But no, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm losing my mind also for sure. Yeah. I, you're, you're stuck in your apartment. Not, I mean, not stuck with Sarah, but you're with your wife. It's very hard. It's very hard to just be in the apartment. Do you get out and walk? Like, are you going outside at all? Yeah, we go out. I go out every morning. I go to this bagel shop and like, you can feel like the dopamine or whatever it is of talking to someone. Cause they yeah. know me. They're like Asian women. They're like, Oh, hello. You want cinnamon roll? I shouldn't do the accent. It's offensive, I guess, but. Oh, it's fine. Um, if you go accent, it's totally fine. <laughs> You're t who are you talking to? My big closer was an Asian woman. Great. Perfect. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're like, Oh, you want cinnamon roll? And I say, Hey, and I, so I, I go there every morning. I put the mask on the gloves. I come back and wash my hands. I'm not, overly nervous about getting the virus because I, I stay away from people yeah. I wear a mask I wear gloves I wash my hands um but so yeah we go I go out but even even going out walking around you're wearing a mask my glasses fog up I know I have no I have no jawline so if I speak or yawn <laughs> it just comes off I swear to god there's nothing that to hold it in place. So funny. I just felt the same way I'm like this thing is fucking uncomfortable and my glasses were fogging up the exact same thing. It's horrible. And the mask is the most abnormal. Because, like, staying mm -hmm. at home would often be at home. Or whatever, like, you know, hanging out, whatever. The mask is the thing that makes it, like, we're in, we're, everything's crazy. We're all wearing masks. What? I, I um, felt the, I'm literally, you're reading my mind. That's exactly how I felt before when I went out. And... I'm thinking, do we have to, are we going to have to wear masks on stage? Because my whole act is my facial expressions. Right. I mean, it's right. like, I can't even imagine doing stand-up with a mask on. No, it's great. Uh, maybe just the audience wears masks at some point. But then they're like, I don't do know. we have tables five feet apart from each other? I don't know. Yeah, right. And like in a comedy club, there's going to be 11 people in the audience because everyone has to sit six feet, six feet apart from each other. Yeah, and the ticket price is 150 bucks, so we can make the money that we <laughs> Actually, that might happen. Can, yeah, it's $500 for a ticket, and we can seat 12. <laughs> and you have to order 40 items. Yeah, it's a 40-item minimum. Right. Um, when did you get sober? When, um, how um, long have you been sober? December of 2012, so seven and wow. a half-ish years. That's awesome. So you had been, did you used to get high and drink before, like while you, before you went on stage? Yeah, so when I first started, I didn't drink when I, I started doing comedy when I was 18. So I didn't wow. even drink yet. And for the first like year I started drinking, I was like, I won't drink before a show. You know, you, you do that shit. Mm -hmm. And then like, I'd have a couple beers and I've done shows in like, not blackouts. I was a blackout drinker, but not during a show, but like completely out of my mind. I would get boozed up. Like on the road, the second show, I was always wrecked for it. Wow. So was that um, hard to do that? And then like, I, I'm, I was always grateful that I didn't get fucked up before shows because I felt like it would be so much harder for me to get sober because I was so used to being high while I was performing. Was that hard for you to not drink? Well, to I... I did comedy sober for a little bit. So I kind of knew, and like there were mm -hmm. shows 
if I had like a big show or what I can I perceive as a big show, I wouldn't always drink beforehand. So I had performed not drinking. So it wasn't a huge deal to me. And that's like, it sounds so cliche, but that's like what I've always the most comfortable is on stage. So it was kind right. of easier. To me, it was like hanging out with comics after the show. Meet and greet sober was more. Yeah, that's very hard. That's really, that's the hardest part for me is... Well, now I don't have to worry about it, but that was the hardest part for me, was talking right. to people after the show and just being on when I just felt like I needed to just be and be to myself. Um, yeah, completely. Well, especially after the show, you're in like, it's hard to explain to people that like, when you're on stage, your mind is going a mile a minute. You're like, what's that? Who's that? Why isn't he laughing? What's the next joke? I can't think of the next joke. And so then to do like a meet and greet immediately after, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out what jokes worked. I'm like, did I say cunt at one point? Did I, what, what did I say? Like, you know, you're still like, shit. Yeah. And I'm like, was that guy offended? And then you're trying to say hello to people. It was, it's, it's stressful. I'm actually honestly enjoying a break from stand-up comedy. Yeah. It's so funny you just said that because I am too. I was just, I just did um, Bennington's radio show on Sirius and we were just talking about that. He's like, do you miss it? And I said, no, I don't miss stand up. I miss the camaraderie with the comics and seeing the staff at the comedy clubs and hanging out with people. That's what I miss the most. Yeah. hundred percent. And yeah, I, I miss the, the feeling of getting a new joke working, getting a laugh. And like afterwards, when you do finish that meet and greet in the show and you go back to the hotel that like, whew, I really did it, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I don't miss getting on planes and being, I, it's interesting, like I was more isolated in some ways before this because I'd be on the road and there was like 23 hours a day that it was just me, where now I'm with my wife most of the time. Oh yeah, that's so, so true. Strange. Yeah. yeah, like I'm, I'm used to being around people and around no one, both more, if that makes I sense. I know, me too. I totally understand what you're saying. I mean, it's it's been hard for me to be home a lot. You know, I've been traveling for 21 years. So this is like, why am I home from a Thursday to a Sunday? And what's, it's so weird, isn't it? It's so weird. Yeah, like I, I was thinking, I'm like, I was in, my schedule was insane during this month and a half it was supposed to be like i would have only have been home eight days since this quarantine started wow yeah i was supposed to be in la and then australia and somewhere oh in houston i was going to houston to la to australia and vegas i had a week in vegas me too so i was going to be all over so it's a complete change so yeah i mean i it's so weird it really is i i want to i'm so like i was thinking about on a different note i was thinking about today what i wanted to to talk to you about because i just love your comedy so much that i could sit and watch i could sit and watch you for hours i've always loved it and i love all your friends like your closest friends they're like my favorite um, oh, except for Joe Mackey, he's horrible, but no, <laughs> uh, that was a bad seed, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't even know where you grew up. Where, where did you grow up? I'm from Massachusetts. I grew up in Whitman, Massachusetts, like South of Boston. And no, I started in I Boston. Oh, I never even knew that. That's so, yeah. and, and you started, what year did you start? I started in 2000, like October, 2000. Oh my God. 
So yeah. I've only been doing it a year longer than you. I had I thought you had been doing it like maybe like 15 years. Yeah, well, it's crazy because I thought you had been doing it a lot longer because I remember we talked about this on Bobby Kelly's podcast. Mm -hmm. I was I would come down to New York and do bringer shows when I like it was a couple of years in. And that one year, one time I went on after you and you just murdered. And I was like, hey, wait a second. I drove all the way from Whitman for this oh, and you killed so hard. I'm so, if I had and known, I would have taken it down a notch. I mean, I, I ended up doing OK, but I remember being like, what is this? And I had never heard of somebody. It was crazy to have someone I'd never heard of kill that hard. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, I thought only like, you know, Bill Cosby killed this hard or something. That or whoever, <laughs> I shouldn't have picked a serial rapist. But you know what I mean? <laughs> well, um, we have a lot in common. Uh, <laughs> but I was like, I was like, shit, like this person's killing in front of me. And so I thought you were like a 10 year veteran then. If I had known then that you had been doing comedy, you know, six months longer than me or something, I would have killed myself. <laughs> oh my God, that's um, horrible. Wait, okay, so you grew up, you grew up in near Boston and you, how many siblings do you have? I have one older sister who's four years older than me. Cool. And and your parents stayed together or did they get divorced? No, my parents are still together. And I believe, unless they're both lying, they've only ever been with each other. They really? Had my sister, when they were, I think my dad was 19, my wife, <gasps> my wife, my, um, my mother was 17. I, think. I love you so <laughs> much. <laughs> um, boy, Freud really had I know. a moment there. I get it. Listen, we all have it. There's there's um, some kind of connection. Um, they were he was nineteen. Yes, yeah, so I think they were like I always do that thing where I'm like when my dad was my age, I think I was like fourteen years old or something like that. You know, like it's. Can you imagine? It's I, it's crazy to me. And they're like really like, in I, love. I, they have a good thing going on. Uh, well, I wouldn't go so far as that. <laughs> yeah, no. they hate each no, other. I'm joking. I, I mean, I think they're okay. I think they're good. I mean, I think they frustrate each other, but um, they're good. That's they, never been like a a fighty. I've never seen my parents like, <gasps> fight, fight, like, fuck you. You know, it's like, wow. But I think it's a lot of holding in kind of thing, that Boston Irish Catholic. Right. Thing. That's the Irish thing. I, yeah, totally. But, but they're, they're together. They've always been together. Yeah. Since like literally since high school. What do, what do they both do? My mother, now she works at like a hospital. She's like a secretary. She's always been like a secretary type. She mm -hmm. worked at Prudential Insurance and just like, I think answering phones, doing administrative type of stuff. And my dad works at a hospital. He's like in charge of purchasing. Well, like, you know, masks and all that. Oh, Whatever. God, it's, it's a big job a now. It's a crazy thing to do now, right? Yeah, so I think it's always been a kind of just a whatever desk mm -hmm. job, but right now I think he's running wild. And, and both my parents are still working. It's nerve-wracking because they're both, they're not in the medical field, but they work in the medical field. That's that so sense. interesting. I know what you just said was is fascinating. Like before, it was just like, oh, my parents work in a hospital, but now it's like a war zone. Yeah, it's, it's really nerve-wracking. And like, you know, they're in their 60s, they're drinkers. My mother has asthma. Like, it's like, there is that thought in your head of like, Oh, I might have seen my parents for the last time. That kind of is a thing that like haunts me. Yeah. Um, as if they got it. it would, you know, my mother, I think, particularly would be in some trouble. Yeah. I mean, I feel like not, I feel like 
every week that this goes on, there's more and more being done to, like I have a friend who's in very bad shape going through it on a ventilator. It's horrible. And he was just approved for these antibodies today. Like, I don't even know what it is, like a blood trans... I don't, I don't really understand what it is, so I don't even want to talk about it. I mean, meaning I, I... But he, like, they said you can... you can To his family, that we, we can give him this and see if it works. It seems to be working. I feel like what you said in the beginning is so true. There will be some kind of solution soon. I really do feel that way. Yeah, I read an article recently that, or a couple of days ago, everything feels, time is weird, but I know that, that said something about like, if you get it, the virus now, you're in better shape than if you got it two weeks ago yes. or a month ago. Like That's they're learning and learning. So right. The Every key week. is like, yeah, exactly. So like a couple of months from now, I think it'll be a lot more like, oh, do this, give them that, and then whatever. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. All right, hold up. Could you take a little off, off the P's? You're hitting them too hard. The Not <laughs> action. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. Hold on. Now you're whispering Patreon. Is there a reason oh. you're whispering? Well, you said to take the P. Somewhere like, in the middle. Okay, okay. You ready? Action. Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members. <sighs> now you got to pause. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members, is that okay? <laughs> Patreon. It was perfect. Why'd you stop? Oh, okay. Patreon members. Cut. Let's go back to the beginning. Thank you. And so action. Thank you so much to all my Patreon members for supporting the podcast. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams where we talk more about... All right, let's take it back to the beginning. That was perfect. Do it exactly like that. I just did it well, though, Except but why are you starting over? Thank you so much to all of my patron... Cut. Why are you screaming? Because I'm just trying to get through this. Action. Thank you so much to all of Action. my... Thank you so much to all of my Patreon members. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast. Perfect. Keep going. There's so many Ps. Keep going. Keep going. Ad-free episodes. You could cut this out, right? For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams where we talk more about being relatively sane. Hold up. Did we agree on monthly live streams? Yes. You told me I should do them because it'll get more members. I don't know how to do a monthly live stream. Don't you just talk in your phone? Uh, we'll figure it out. Come on. Let's get through this. We have to go. We should okay. speed this up. All right. Thank you so much to all my Patreon members for supporting this podcast. For those of you who don't know, Patreon members get early access to the podcast, ad-free episodes, and access to monthly live streams. We don't know what that is, but whatever, where we talk about being relatively sane. If you want to join our fantastic community that is so corny, go to patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patriot.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patreon. I think you said patriot.com. Go to petroleum. I mean, patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. That's patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. Patreon.com slash Jessica Curson. Thanks again. And cut. That's a wrap. Ugh. So what made you get into comedy? I, I hate when people ask me that, but I'm, I really am curious about you. Like, were you always funny? I mean, these are such annoying questions. But no, no, no. I have no idea why you got into comedy. Yeah, so I like I was like a super shy, quiet kid, and like like painfully like my parents sent me to therapy when I was like seven because I never spoke to anybody. Mm -hmm. But um, 
I think it was like that thing. Like my, I, I came from a big family, and everyone was like a big extended family, and everyone was loud and drinking. And I was the youngest one for years, so mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't get a word in, and uh, everyone kind of talked down to me, and I was like this idiot, you know. <laughs> but that's how I perceived it. Like this kid who was like yeah. a baby, and then I, I was like a kid during the like big comedy boom, late '80s, early '90s, where mm -hmm. it was like VH1, A and E, Comedy Central, MTV. And so I would watch comedy like all the time when I was a kid. And then I remember VH1 Spotlight, they would play episodes in the morning. And I would literally, this sounds like a made up story. I would like eat my cereal and watch Rosie O'Donnell VH1 Spotlight when I was like seven before school or 10, whatever age. Yeah. And so I always wanted to do it. And then my uncle, who I got to preface, my uncle was five years older than me. Mm -hmm. I, when I say uncle, it always sounds like a six-year-old guy. I'd always be <laughs> like, does. I was blacked out. We, my, my uncle and I were stealing shit. And people were like, your uncle? And I'm like, oh, he's my age. <laughs> um, but he had HBO and he showed me like George Carlin, you know, jamming in New York or doing it again, I think. And I remember like being blown away and just loved it. And I always wanted to do it. And so as soon as I graduated high school, I was like, all right, let me, I'm going to go do this I wanted to do it what did your parents say when you told them they were supportive I mean my dad doesn't say anything I mean literally doesn't say, doesn't say anything he doesn't but my speak mother at was all like, no he's like a he's a good guy yes he's funny but like there's no like when I did Letterman people were like what'd your dad say and I'm like oh nothing and they're like I know but what did he say and I'm like actually nothing he said actually zero thing <laughs> he didn't say like I saw it or it was great or no, he was there. I mean, he came. And oh, then I love it, was... it so much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just a, just not a lot of emotions well, or feelings in my family. Right. I mean, that's so Irish. My dad came to my special, and the second show that night was one of the best sets I've ever had. The first one was tough, but the second one was amazing. And the audience was amazing. And, my, and I did like an hour and 15 minutes, and my dad said to one of my friends like she did she did great but she lost steam in the middle she lost steam oh. for a while and i was like like that's all i ever thought about is that he said that so did do you still get affected by stuff with your parents does it still get to you oh it did like only recently as in like literally like three weeks ago my therapist was like you've gotta let go of changing them and accept that that's what they are and who they are. And um, the thing that's took me a while to understand too, is that like, you can't, even if you talk to them and said, it hurts my feeling that the effect has already happened. Like it came from when you were a kid. Yes. So even if they were like, we love your comedy and are so proud of you, it feels good, but it's like, you still have that hole I... from the 40 years that that wasn't existing. Um, but but anyways, back to the to go back to the question. They were my mother was very supportive. They, they came to my shows and they were like, okay, you could tell. To me, they were saying that I'm sure when they were in the bedroom, they were like, Jesus Christ, I can't, my kid's <laughs> right. not going to college. This is crazy. <laughs> I honestly, I think part of them was probably a little bit relieved that they didn't have to pay for college because I just went straight to open mics. I didn't go to any college, so I'm, they're probably I'm like, whew blown away by that because I was petrified to do it and had to take a class. I mean, everyone's different. And I, I, I was petrified of performing. I mean, and you're saying you were a shy, quiet kid and then you just went and did open mics. Well, here's the thing. 
for me, I was afraid to do it and I was scared. But the thing that's given about my biggest fear of all, as someone that was like riddled with fear, was to not try. To, to wow. me, my biggest fear was to live a life, no offense to my parents or people, that to live a life of like just going into a job I hate and working nine to five, five days a week and always wanting to have been a comic. So that fear sort of like trumped all the other fear. I was like, I got to go do this or else I'm going to really, really hate myself. Well, that's, I think that's a beautiful thing because most people don't do it, don't take the risk. And the fact that you at that age forced yourself to do it and knew that you would regret it if you didn't is really interesting to me. Yeah, I, I mean, so much of it, it sounds like cheesy. So much of it is like, I owe it to like the work of Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> like I had Springsteen. No, I'm wondering, that's, I love that. I'm a Jersey girl, so I love him. Yeah, I mean, like all those, like like Badlands and Dancing in the Dark and all those songs that were like, there's something happening somewhere. I, I had that feeling of like, I gotta go. Like I gotta try, you know, I had to yeah. like pursue it. So like, I'm like grateful for, uh, I, I think Bruce Springsteen, this is like a side conversation possibly, but I think Bruce Springsteen should get the credit as like one of the great American writers in like the history of literature. Oh, he is, Twain, he's unbelievable. He's incredible. Yeah. And I love that music inspired you to do something i mean i feel like a lot of times now people don't even listen to lyrics of songs it's like get fuck my ass motherfucker motherfucker fuck my ass motherfucker motherfucker i'm like what is going on like there used yeah. to be such good songwriting i sound like i'm 90 right now but it's really true no i agree i completely agree um i love that i could faintly hear your child crying as you were i know saying, she's screaming like a fucking lunatic i feel like she, i i literally feel like screaming shut the fuck up but she is 10 months old and she's teething oh. um and she has the loudest scream you could possibly have as a child i don't think it can get louder than what it is oh wow well i'm only hearing it faintly so it's mm -hmm. not to me it's quite pleasant actually i'm hearing it like really intensely and it's and also like you i have anxiety so it makes me out of my mind but then I have to say to myself, she's a baby and you know, it, it's her teeth are coming in. Like, that's painful. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, when I, I don't like shaving because I don't like the hair coming back in through my face. <laughs> so teeth, teeth through gum just sounds horrible. Have you ever thought of having a kid? Do you guys talk about it or? Um, yeah. No, um, I think we have a little bit to me it's like i i just worry like financially yeah right now it's oh my god yeah it's scary and um i'm on the road all the time and i feel like some one of us would we're both comics so one of us would have to really you, sacrifice you would a lot you would and um i'm always worried about finance money and i'm worried about it without a child so yeah, it's it it is a it's a lot. I mean, I can't even believe like at this age, kids are cheap. I mean, I, I I'm gonna have to get her a mask, but one that you can't hear through. Right, right. That would be great I, for people you can't stand. Like if they just wore a mask and you can't even hear what they're saying. Yeah, it's a sound absorbent mask. I like yeah, that. yeah, me too. Uh, it's uh, it's crazy. So. <laughs> Danielle just walked in, my wife, and opened. This is what podcasting at home, this is what's happening now. I mean, it is what it is. Like, I have to deal with it and make it okay. 
Yeah. But she just walked in and was like, I'm sorry. So it's like <laughs> I'm filming. So I'm on camera. I'm trying to listen to you. She's screaming. It's it's nuts. Yeah, it's a weird time. And I think it's going to be, this is the new normal for a while. Right. I mean, I probably will just have her next to me the next time, just screaming right next to me. Because what's the difference? <laughs> It's, it's nuts. So, so anyway, so you did start at college when you were, when you were nine, I mean, you started stand up when you were 19. Yeah. And was it hard for you when you experienced bad show? Like, was it devastating when you bombed at first and stuff like that? You know, it's weird. I always, I, it wasn't like, I did pretty well. I mean, it's the thing of like, with comics is like, I, every minute of my career I felt like I was pretty good looking back I was horrific I mean I was like <laughs> it was horrible I mean like one of my first jokes was I was at a Celtics game a lot of empty seats for a team called the Celtics <laughs> and, but like that's cute it, it did okay so like at every moment I was like I'm pretty good I'm doing okay and I also had like a lot of, I was like a teenager. And so all these older guys that were around were like, you're going to be, you're going to do well. Cause a lot of the guys were just guys in their forties and fifties that were plumbers that were like, I'm going to go to the open mic and mm -hmm. talk about my wife or whatever. So they were like, you got it. You're going to be, so I was like, okay, great. I'm going <laughs> to, I'll make it. So even when I kind of would have bad sets or bomb, I'd be like, well, but everyone keeps telling me I'm okay. I'm pretty good. Yeah, and I then feel... also I would get hammered, so I wouldn't feel anything anyways after right. a while. You'd be wasted, and you're like, I'm amazing. Like, you didn't even go on yet. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and so what is your, like, what is your goal with stand-up? Is it to, is it a sitcom? Is it a talk show? Is it, like, what? what's, are you into acting a lot? No, I never have done much acting, but now... I want to like, mm -hmm. it's interesting because like during this break, I'm kind of, I started writing a book, like a, a memoir of all funny stories and That's my great. life and therapy. And I'm really digging it. And my agent like put up a phone call with my, a book agent and she was like really enthusiastic. She's like, I love this. Sounds great. So I'm like, all right, I'm gonna write a book. I love and, that. Yeah. So I'm trying to just be like, I'll do a different job and i'm trying to write a movie because i always wanted to i always want to be like a filmmaker too and just never i've always taken the easiest path stand-up comedy just seemed easier than making a full movie so um but my goal with stand-up has always been to perform for an audience of people that came to see me that's exactly just, how i feel yeah, yeah I, I that's what i always wanted was like to do just stand-up comedy but but bigger and have be fans of me that's I'm, I have the exact same dream. That's, that's what I always wanted. But I love what you're saying about writing a book and writing a screen. Like now is really the time to motivate ourselves to do those things. You know, it's so funny. Like I talked about earlier that I forget things, but like someone approached me once to write a book and I literally forgot until you just said something. Isn't that <laughs> nuts? Yeah. No, I do. I do the same thing. I have notes. My reminders on my phone is my most used app. I have reminders <laughs> all day and it's shit yeah. like fun. It's like, Hey, watch that movie that you wanted to watch. <laughs> right. Um, but no, that's what this book agent said to me. She's like, if you've always thought about writing a book and walked into a bookstore and thought I should write a book, 
now is the time to do it because I don't, like I said, I don't think we're going to be touring for a while. Yeah. Would you write a screenplay about the book? Like, is it the same story? It's a different story, but similar sort of themes. It's like a mental health idea thing, both of them. So, but one is like, the movie's like sort of like a horror movie thriller. And oh, then that's... the book is more of like a comedy. That's interesting. Have you been in therapy throughout? Because I started at eight years old. You said you started around like seven or eight. Did you stay in therapy for a long time? No, I went to therapy. My parents sent me to therapy when I was like seven or eight because I didn't speak. And I only went like a couple times. Oh. I think they ran out of money. They were like, oh, okay, he's not completely crazy. And then I went in my early 20s because I was having panic attacks all the time. Ugh. And so I went to a therapist for a few weeks for that. And then like the dumb dumb that I am, I stopped having panic attacks and I was like, great, no more, no more therapy. Mm -hmm. And then I started going again about three years ago because the panic attacks came back and I've been going ever since consistently. And I, I love them. I love my therapist. Oh, how often were you getting panic attacks? It's so horrible. Brutal. So with the, the couple times I've had, I've had a couple like random ones here and there throughout my life, but the two times I really had them, I would have them daily. Oh. every day for like weeks and then I would have them at the work because you start to be like what if I have a panic attack when that's going on and then of course you invariably do and what and would happen to you during them it would be really intense like I would shake uncontrollably oh. like unbelievable and I would feel cold I would feel like freezing and my teeth would chatter I couldn't even like form sentences and it was hard to get it's hard to get a breath but mostly the shaking where like I couldn't even walk uh, or like properly speak my teeth would like you could hear my teeth in the other room wow um and it would just feel like this impending doom and in like tunnel vision crazy yeah Brutal. I mean it was like really bad like there was times where I'm like laying I can remember being with my family on a boat in Maine and just in the fetal position in the corner of the boat on like a perfect Saturday afternoon and just shaking and rocking it was just and, and there's nothing really anyone intense. can say to make you feel better. Yeah, exactly. There's just nothing you can do. I mean, now I understand like a little bit better. It, it is accepting and recognizing of like, oh, this is panic. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. But when you first start having them, you start thinking, am I having a heart attack? Am I dying? Should I call an ambulance? What if this never ends? I got to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, but once you start to realize you're like, oh, this can't, this is just, anxiety that's it i'm not having a heart attack or whatever and what do you do to get out of it now like what would if if what would you is it a lot of breathing stuff and kind yeah, of talking so, yourself down so now I've, I've when i really get anxiety i can get my therapist's sort of voice in my head mm -hmm. and i'm sitting there with him listening to him and i'm much better at i can focus on my breath and come back to the moment mm -hmm. but i had a few years ago, I had panic attacks like on stage. I did a full oh my god! Show. I did a full show at the St. Louis Funny Bone, like forty-five minutes, where I was in this <gasps> loop and shaking. Oh my god! And then I did a Conan. I did Conan and was having a panic attack during oh the cut, like right before it. My god! But here's the thing that really helped me is both of those helped me because I got through the show and the shows were great. Nobody really noticed. They might've been like, that guy shakes a lot, mm -hmm. but I was able to perform. And that's when my therapist helped me. He's like, you had a panic attack on television mm -hmm. and it was fine. You're not dead. Nobody hates you. 
And that really helped me be like, okay, it took the teeth out of it of like, it's just anxiety. And that's like my mantra in my life is it's just anxiety, which when you first hear someone say that, mm -hmm. it makes you psychotic because I'm like, you don't know what you're talking. It's just anxiety, but I'm shaking on the floor. But then one day it just, it's, it's similar to sobriety. It's one day it just comes through and you're like, I get it. I, now I see it. It is just anxiety. And, and then I start working on what is it that I'm really afraid of here. I know it's about something else, but it seems like it's about just what's going on, just the situation. Right. But I can't believe that you were having a panic attack while you were doing Conan. Like that is so scary to me. Yeah, it was, it was horrible. And the only thing that helped was like, uh, I knew the joke. So I was like, just say all the things, just mm -hmm. say the things. No one knows you're freaking out. And, but I like, my legs were just shaking. My hands were shaking and I kind of flub a couple lines, but I just plowed through. And when I'm on stage doing it, what I'll try to do is do something off the cuff. Cause it'll put you in the moment Yes, a little bit. So strangely, I would try to do like crowd work or something or improvise any kind of line or do a new bit. Cause it would make you focus on what you're doing. Yeah, you're going to help a lot of people by what you're talking about, because there's a lot of people right now that are suffering from severe anxiety, like bad. Yeah, I've been through it. I felt that I'm like, I've felt really grateful that I'm like, I'm so glad I'm this is happening now mm -hmm. and not three years ago or 10 years ago when I was drinking that it would, I would have really lost my mind here. But I sort of have these tools through meditation, therapy and sobriety and I got a lot, it, it, it takes a lot of, um, a lot of different things to keep me on an even keel. Right. And it's interesting because we're home 24 hours a day now, except when you take a walk to go see the Asian woman at a bagel place. Right. And it's really not like you're saying you'll get up and do the calm app and 10 minutes of meditation. And then you might read something later. Like we're not doing a lot. So it is it's okay. Like it's, it sounds like it's overwhelming, for, but for people who are listening, if you're in bad shape or you are dealing with anxiety or drinking too much or whatever you're doing right now, you, there's so much help and it's pretty simple. Like it's not complicated at all. Yeah. That's, that's what's, it takes so long. Like I said, it's like, it's, it's simple, but not easy. But mm -hmm. once you start to kind of understand it and get it, it you can, practice it and accept it's all about acceptance and just accepting that you're an anxious person because that that with panic attacks specifically when you try to fight it it's what makes it yes worse oh my god because I know. the fighting it acknowledges in your brain that like this is bad i have to end this mm -hmm. and so your brain is like oh yeah it is bad and it, it's just this spinning where the the key is to be like this isn't so bad mm -hmm. it's just i'm just shaking it's just anxiety i'm not dying because normally when you don't have that tool, you're like, I'm dying. If I don't stop this, I'm going to die, which makes you panic. I know. More. I totally get it. There's And there's two things you said. It's like, the I mean, the biggest thing to me is taking action. So I've been dealing with some stuff. And as you know, there's a saying in the program, like picking up the phone, it's like it weighs 100 pounds. Like it's so right. hard to pick up the phone and call someone and ask for help. But every time I take action and do something, I feel so much better. Like even if it's a two minute conversation, just reaching out to someone. Yeah, completely. It's amazing. And it, 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 it lasts, but it only lasts 
a day or two days and yeah. then I'm like, and then it's so funny, I start losing my mind again and I'm like, oh, why don't I do the thing I did the other day that worked? Yeah, you have to keep taking your medicine. Right, and it, well, that's the thing is like those grooves are so deep that the, the needle falls back in those old patterns. Yes. And my, my therapist keeps telling me too, it's, it's, it's very natural during a traumatic events to fall back into old habits. Oh, 100%, that is so it, true. That's what he, he's like, everyone, because I, I have this thing too, where I beat myself up. I'm like, oh man, I was having anxiety. I was doing so well. And it's like, of course you have anxiety. You're an anxious person and we're going through a serious time here. Yeah. So it makes sense. But what you said, I also made me think this was the second thing that it's so beautiful what you said about doing, being on stage for an hour and get having a panic attack and being able to get through it. And you saw, oh, I, I got through it and I lived and it went well and doing Conan, the same thing. It's like from every breakdown, there's a breakthrough from every hard experience. I used to, when I talk comedy, I would tell comics, the only time I ever learned from stand up is when I didn't do well, or there was something crazy that happened or like when I killed or did really well, I'm like, whatever. I didn't learn anything, but I went through as you did hundreds of uncomfortable situations and experiences. And I made it through to the other side and, and now they're not as scary. And I feel like that with this pandemic, this whole thing, it's going to it's gonna pass. We're going to get through it. And we'll come out on the other side and we'll all be stronger. Not all of us, but most of us will be stronger because of it. Yeah. I, I, the other day I was trying to think too. I'm like, th- strangely, there'll be a part. Well, we don't know what's going to happen with, you know, with everything. But there's part of us, I feel like, that will look back and be like, I kind of missed that. It was, it was <laughs> of course. Fun. Like, strangely, they'll be like, that was kind of neat. I was, my wife and I watched a foreign film every night. And, uh, you know, it just it meant so much just to walk. And in a lot of ways, it'll give you a lot of gratitude for things that were, you were missing before, that were annoying before, that you're like, I would kill to be on the subway right now. I know. I mean, do you think people will come together more and be kinder to each other? For the, I for would the most hope part? So. I would hope so, but then I see, you know, stuff online and with, you know, the way it's being handled and uh, I don't know, I'm like, it's crazy, so. Yeah, I know. I think for the most part, not everyone, of course, but most people will, like you said, be grateful for what what life is. And I don't know, I've noticed that when I am out and walk down the street, like my neighbors all wave to me now and say, hello, like no one did that a little bit, but it it's, I feel like that's changing back to the way it used to be, which I like. Yeah. I hope so. Because I mean, I do think that's like, not to sound cheesy, but like, that's what we need. And it is like a thing that this affects everyone. We're all in this. It's not like a Northeast thing or a blue state thing or whatever. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is going to affect, they might not believe it at this juncture, but it's going to affect everybody. And uh, yeah, we're sort of all in it together apart. I it's know. not like a bumper sticker now, but. No, but you're um, right. That's very true. And I, I think it's so good that you're writing a book, that you're going to write a screenplay or you start whatever, that you're doing it. And again, like it all comes back to taking action. Um, I feel, don't you feel better when you write something and you feel like you accomplished something? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I have, to, I have to be doing something with that time for like self-help and then for creativity. I got to be creative or else I kind of come apart. 
Well, you you are so brilliant, Joe. I am so glad that you did my podcast. I'm sorry that I heard Sarah talking too. I didn't say anything because my daughter was much louder than Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so I love your comedy. Oh, and I, thank you. I love yours. Thank you. And I love how hard you work on yourself. And I feel like the things you said will really help people that are listening to this. Um, but can you tell people where they can find you? Yeah. So um, thank you. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Joe List Comedy. And then I have a podcast of my own called Mindful Metal Jacket. And it's sort of it's, it's similar to this. It's sort of a mentally mentally. It's a mental health type <laughs> of podcast where we talk about therapy and anxiety and depression. And uh, it's a relatively new podcast, so they can check that out, too. What's it more. called again? I love that. It's I'm going to totally check it out. It's called Mindful Metal Jacket. Um, Great. And, um, yeah, there's it, an episode with Sarah, and there's a few, it's a bunch of fun guests and stuff. Um, and it's a lot of this kind of talk, which I love. I mm-hmm. love talking all this stuff. It's what I want to be talking about most of the time. Yeah, I do, too, I, because really... I feel like that's where we all are and it's just being real and uh, your insightfulness, is that even a word? Insightfulness? I think, so. I think it is. It's going to help insight- other people. And you have, don't you have another, do you have another podcast too or is that the only one? Oh yeah. No, I do one with Mark Norman called Tuesdays right. with Stories. That's we the one, that I, one as well. Yeah, which um, is huge. It's an, it's great. Yeah, it's doing really well. It's extremely irreverent. I want to warn people. <laughs> so if it's not for the faint of heart, but yeah, that's, um, that's what we do every Tuesday. We've been doing it for years. So that's great. Well, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast and you're just great. And guys check out Joe. He's amazing. Amazing comic. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I feel better. This was helpful to me. I forgot there was an audience. I just wanted to. Good. (laughs) I I love that. That's so good. I know we have to talk off, off the podcast, but yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you and take care of yourself. You do the same. Thanks, Jessica. All right, cool. Thanks, honey. Bye. All right, thank you.